What's up, everybody? Welcome into a special edition of the Celtics Talk podcast. The day after the draft, I'm still sleepy, but as has been the case throughout this draft process, I have my guy, Robbie Buckets, Rob Snyder, NBC Sports, NBC Sports Boston super producer and college basketball guru. And he proved it because I thought we nailed our mock drafts, through, not only throughout the course of the draft process, but especially our final mock. We put Anthony Edwards up at number one. We got that right. We had RJ Hampton dropping. And every Celtics sort of projection we had, we locked in on the right type of player. We might not have known exactly who they would go for in those positions. We'll get to that in a minute. But just overall, Celtics emerge, Aaron Neesmith, Peyton Pritchard. They punt on the 30th pick. They got some Israeli Pat Beverly, Yame Yom in the second round. We might not see him for like five years, but he's there too. Rob, your initial impressions of this draft class. You know, it's, it's funny. I know everybody was like rooting for a trade and, you know, trades are fun. Um, and, but you know, you, you think back to last year when they had the three picks and, and that wasn't my favorite draft. If they had made a trade in that draft, we'd be sitting here really happy with what they did. So, you know, you have to look at it in a vacuum. And honestly, Neesmith was a guy that we talked about from day one. That would be a perfect fit because he nails the three. I mean, you know, people talk about his sample size because he missed half the year last year, but he took eight threes a game. It's not like he went two for four for 14 games. He went four for eight for 14 games. So, you know, he can really stroke it. And Peyton Pritchard is a guy that we didn't actually spend a lot of time on uh, over the last couple of weeks, but his range is really stupid. I mean, he's, he's a hard worker. Uh, he's flashy and his range is out of control. I mean, he could shoot the ball from almost half court. Uh, his confidence level is through the roof. He's not a guy that's going to shy away from the shot. So I think they actually did a really good job. The only thing I would have liked to see, I know this is crazy because we talked about how they can't use all three picks. They can't use all three picks. <laughs> Desmond Bain ended up being the 30th yeah. pick. Uh, so, that, you know, it would have actually been nice to take him. And, you know, obviously you've had a, other roster decisions to make. But um, overall, you know, for sitting pretty where they were, I actually, you know, am pretty uh, happy with what they ended up with. So all my Celtics fr uh, loving friends, the, the text thread this morning is they're angry. You know, oh, we were told Danny Ainge was going to move up. And like, look, I get it. But this happens every year yeah. because the Celtics are rumored in every trade that's out there. They're rumored to move up. You know, my guy, Mark Stein, reported that they were trying to get up into the top three. You know, I just got the sense. Let me put it this way. If they were to trade Marcus Smart for the two pick and just take a guy there, would, would you be happy? You no, know, because I don't, I don't think I would trade Marcus Smart straight up for James Wiseman right now, not knowing what he is. It, it's just, yeah, you know, there was way no way they were getting into the top three. I didn't think there was a way they're getting into the top three. I guess if you really want to trade, you can still hold out hope. It's interesting that Atlanta took Okonwu, mm -hmm. and there was a lot of speculation of a trade with Atlanta before the draft. So I wonder if maybe. We don't know this, but maybe the Hawks were making a pick for the Celtics in case a trade were to go through. But again, this this draft was solid. It wasn't a must-trade draft. It just felt that way because they made all three picks a year ago. So the only move that I probably sat there and said, oh, I, why aren't they moving up, is when Halliburton started the slide. I mean, he was a guy who we pretty consistently had up in the top five, six range, uh, maybe no more than seven to Detroit. Uh, felt like once Patrick Williams made the vault and, you know, the, the run on wings and, and, you know, it felt like that Halliburton was there. Should I lament that? Well, how high were you on Halliburton? So he's, he's such a good playmaker and he obviously his shooting numbers look good. I think what kept him 
dropping is the fact that he shoots the ball from his belly button. I mean, he really has a very awkward stroke and I think NBA teams kind of shy. I think they think that they're going to have to rebuild his jump shot, despite the fact that the numbers are good. So I think that maybe held them off. And also, you know, we saw it again, the young guys get drafted before the veterans, because I think they look at their ceiling as maybe being higher since they're so young and Halliburton isn't as young as the other guys. So that could be another reason too. We, I remember uh, we were doing a video for the um, draft preview special, and I mentioned that uh, the Spurs wouldn't trade the 11 pick if the <laughs> got to them. Uh, they would be too smart and they would take him, uh, which they Nailed did. Uh, and then the other thing that, uh, that, that we should take a victory lap on is uh, Emmanuel quickly ended up going late first round, which a lot of people didn't have, and, and I really liked uh, what he offered. But where the Celtics were, obviously, I, I was sitting there thinking either Bay or Neesmith would be the guy. Um, Jalen Smith went 10th. Great for him. Um, I was surprised the Suns went there, but they must really love him. Uh, and, you know, so it really came down to Bayard Neesmith where they were. And again, I don't, I don't think a lot of teams didn't want to trade because I think they liked what was falling to them. Yeah. All right. So it, that's the other one I wanted to, to get your expertise on Bay versus Neesmith. If you were, I'd been on the clock, would you have leaned Neesmith based on the, the, the shooting percentages or, you know, which guy did you like better? So I liked Bay better. Um, I don't think you can go wrong. I think the thing that Bay offers is he's he's bigger and he's a little bit more, you know, he can guard probably one through four, uh, where Neesmith could probably guard maybe one through three. Um, and, you know, I think they both, you know, Bay shot 45% for a whole year. Neesmith shot 52% for half a year. Um, I will say the thing that Neesmith offers a little bit better than Bay is I think he's probably a better ball handler. And he's probably a little bit more explosive. Bay's explosiveness, uh, as we talked about before, isn't yeah. isn't one of his like best traits. Um, and look, there were rumors before the draft that Bay could move up into the you know into the top ten, and then he ended up falling all the way to nineteen. So, you know, something happened in workouts that we can't watch, obviously. And I'm not saying like you know these guys are dribbling the ball off their foot, but like Peyton Pritchard clearly showed his range in his workout. Maybe Sadiq Bey showed his lack of explosiveness in his workout. Maybe Aaron Neesmith proved to people, mm. yeah, I got the shooting stroke in his workout. So what happens in these workouts that we can't see um, probably helped or hurt these guys a little bit. Again, I don't think anybody's going in there and, and you know, tripping over themselves. But it's definitely – there's definitely things that happen before the draft that, that we don't know about that helps these teams make these selections. Yeah, and I believe the Celtics were one of six teams to go down to South Carolina to watch a workout with Neesmith. You know, obviously he had the, the foot injury during the season. I think there were some concerns from teams about that and how he's recovering. And just any time a player misses time and, and potentially could be slowed going into the year. I don't think that's the case with Neesmith. I think he's ready to go now. Um, but you want to go see it. And shooters tend to perform well in one-on-o uh, one workouts when you're working out against a chair. So it's hard to gauge that. But um, clearly he's a shot maker. Um, what I love is that he's from the same high school as Chris Middleton. Sort of counts him as a mentor. Uh, not a bad guy to be rubbing off on like learning three point tactics and stuff like that. And what people forget too, he was the 2018 Gatorade player of the year in South Carolina over Zion Williamson, which is just wild to me, but it sort of speaks to how good he's been and how highly touted he was as sort of a top 50 recruit going to Vanderbilt, uh, toyed with the idea of going to Harvard, smart kid. The one thing I've, I've consistently heard since the draft is just about his intensity and his competitiveness and I almost wonder if that more so 
than anything about like explosion or defensive versatility. Like the Celtics like guys who are going to come in and just want to compete and want to work. And it feels like this guy and Peyton Pritchard can do that. Um, again, I, we're going to have a lot of overreactions this morning because people wanted one, one move or another. And they, all people really wanted was a trade. They just wanted the Celtics to do something. Like if the Celtics had just traded up three spots, everyone would have, gone, would have been happy, even if the guy was worse. But that's the way it goes. It is. And I could see, you know, especially early on, I, I could see Peyton Pritchard being a guy just because of his position. If he ends up being your backup point guard, I could see Peyton Pritchard being a guy who becomes not just a fan favorite, but like the guy that ends up having a bigger impact year one than Neesmith based on the way the minutes might distribute. Mm. Uh, and also just there's something about his game it's an electrifying type of game. So like, you know, if the Celtics say they're, they're up 10 and you're in the fourth quarter and you're just trying to hold off a team and Peyton Pritchard jacks one from 30 feet, uh, that's kind of what gets people excited. So he's, I, th- I think he has potential to be that guy, that, that energy guy off the bench whose confidence never wavers. And, and he kind of, uh, you know, becomes a little bit of a fan favorite, not to say that Neesmith can't, I just think early on ministers distribution wise, Pritchard could actually end up seeing a little bit more of the floor than Neesmith, depending on how Brad Stevens' rotation works out. Yeah, and, and that's good news for the Celtics. The Celtics have typically erred on the side of younger guys. This was a rare chance where Danny took 21 and older guys, obviously uh, Pritchard being a four-year guy at Oregon. But you, you sort of get the sense that they are maybe a little bit more advanced, ready to step in on a, on a championship-driven team. I agree. I think with with this likely signaling the end of the Brad Wanamaker era in Boston, I think there's going to be a chance for Pritchard to, to just muscle in and get those minutes. You know, maybe Tremont Waters makes a case for those, but I think Pritchard is probably better suited for the NBA level. And, uh, you know, e- even if they just push each other, I think that's a good thing. You know, without Romeo Langford to start the season, uh, the Celtics are going to have wing minutes available, especially with whatever craziness plays out here with Gordon Hayward. And so look, we'll see what they do in free agency and that'll determine a little bit of how the roster might look. But I do think these are two guys that should uh, have an opportunity to play. We're going to hear from Danny Ainge and Brad Stevens, our exclusive interviews with them coming up in a little bit. Um, but just what else, anything else from draft night stand yeah. out to you? What, what, so what? I, I think one thing to remember if you're a Celtics fan is, you know, the Celtics didn't make a trade. So you're like, oh, you know, they didn't, they didn't do what, what we wanted them to do. But James Harden is not a net. James Harden <laughs> is not a sixer. Uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich is, is not a buck. Uh, you know, the, the East didn't make the huge improvements on draft night. You know, the rest, of the, the rest of the conference didn't make a huge improvement on draft night like you didn't. So I wouldn't really worry about, you know, what happened. I would think that the Sixers maybe – yeah, they're the one team that uh, they they might have had a, a, the the best draft night in the East based on the fact that they were on on uh, able to unload Al Horford's contract and they were able to add shooting to their team and you know they're I'm not a huge Tyrese Maxey guy but there are people that really liked him uh, so he falls to them and and we'll see what he can do but you know I, I I wouldn't worry too much because it doesn't look like the rest of the East did too much either uh, my big question now is you know we're on the clock with Gordon Hayward. I have no idea where this is leading anymore. I don't know if you have any inclination. Neither do the Celtics. So, <laughs> uh, you know, no, it's, it's a weird situation right now where um, 
Gordon Hayward is very actively trying to figure out what his options are. And the Celtics are just sort of sitting here waiting for some direction. And, you know, they moved the deadline, even though it probably wasn't the best idea for Boston because now you've used those three picks. And so it makes trades a little bit more cumbersome. I think if you were going to lose a Gordon Hayward, you were hoping to maybe package him with some of those picks and get back some elite talent. Now you have to either trade future picks, which, you know, a little bit more uncertainty they don't have. A future stash anymore they're going to get two second round picks from the grizzlies for the giving up that number 30 pick that they picked bane with but um my guess is they're going to be sort of fake picks they could be like top 55 protected or you know maybe one in the 30s uh it's more just moving an asset into a future season there uh and we'll see if they're able to to unload a contract there too the the grizzlies have some space to take on a vincent poirier if they wanted to but they might not want to so the Celtics will have to negotiate that and are, are still in the process of that um, but Hayward, yeah, like the one thing I, that was curious to me was I wondered if like the Hawks would make a big move on draft night and all of a sudden they don't have the cap space to go get him. Maybe at the start of free agency, we'll, we'll find out. It, 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 it's going to be very interesting to see how they build their roster. They've been linked to Gallinari and Rondo. Uh, now it doesn't sound like maybe either of those guys will go there, but, um, it's just, Gordon Hayward has to decide what he wants to do. And here's the one thing that surprised me. Uh, after Tuesday's extension, I just sort of said, uh, if you had to ask me like what I thought the, the most plausible outcome was, I would say 99% they were going to trade him somewhere else. You know, 1% he'd be back. Uh, talking to some people around the league on Wednesday before the draft, that came back and leveled out a little bit. Scal was on our broadcast last night saying he was 51-49 with thinking Hayward would be back. And I think that's a little high. I still think it's like a... I'd say 20% chance, but I think Gordon's going to have to sit there, assess the situation and say, do I really want to go to Atlanta? Do I want to you know, go to the Knicks? Do I, can, you know, if Indiana is not willing to trade for me, then maybe it's better for me just to go back to Boston. I, again, I still don't think that's the most likely outcome, but it's in, it's in, in play. And then if the Celtics, they, you know, they just have to be braced for that possibility. And I think they will because they know the best version of their team probably includes Gordon Hayward. What would be, because I, I keep getting this question, you know, I think the range of return on Gordon Hayward is going to be all over the map. There's because you lose all your leverage if he wants out. So people that are sitting there and saying, oh, go get the Giroux holiday type, even though you would have to load up on picks. I don't think that's happening. Uh, Miles Turner, maybe. What would be a disappointing return for you? What, what, what do you need to get if you're moving Gordon Hayward in the next 48 hours? So, well, first of all, on the, uh, you know, I, I think the part of the holdup might be the fact that he kind of controls where he wants to go at this point. Oh yeah. Of course. And I wonder if they said, Hey, we have a trade with the Hawks and he was like, I'm not going to Atlanta, uh, which would totally throw that for a loop. And then, you know, he, he probably has thought about why don't I just opt out, but he's not going to get the money. And that's, you know, so this, this has become, I wonder if this has actually held the Celtics up more, you know, I think going into draft night, we thought like, okay, well, they know what he wants to do and they'll just pull it off late, but it seems like that's not the case. So I wonder if he's kind of holding them up for Hayward at this point, it's, you kind of have to look similar. I know people won't like this because it's not the best return in the world. And I don't think that Celtics have to give up a first round pick either, but you have to look at what the Sixers did with Horford and think like, well, the Celtics are just kind of getting rid of Gordon Hayward's salary at this point, it's not like they're, you know, I don't know how big of a return they would get. So would they have to trade Hayward and a future first? No, but 
are they going to get back some sort of Danny Green type? Maybe, you know, this, this might be a player for player trade and the player you're getting back might end up being on an expiring deal or maybe he's uh, on, on just a team friendly deal. Uh, and that's, that's what you end up getting for him. I don't know if I would even hate that, but I think a lot of fans might. But at this point, are you trading Gordon Hayward because you don't like the fit or are you trading Gordon Hayward because you don't like the contract? And I think that's, that's the big question. If it's the contract, then you're just going to have to accept what you're getting back. And it's probably going to be somebody who's expiring soon. Yeah. The one other scenario in play would be if Atlanta was interested, but they have the cap space to sign them out. Right now. Again, I can't imagine that Gordon Hayward wants to go play for the Hawks. Like championship driven guy. I don't think the Hawks are in that sort of position, depending on their free agent moves. They're a fun young team. Gordon Hayward would definitely be more of a focal point than he is here. And they do have a ton of money. They kept the, one of the, the few teams with cap space, they could sign him into cap space. The Celtics would approach them and say, if we throw in a future draft, pick, we make this a sign and trade, and what they would do is they would return a trade exception, which would be pretty bulky. Like if, if, if they do an extended trade, essentially, like if they just take Gordon's first year salary and, and pile on two more years, he'll still make $34.2 million next year. And the Celtics would get that in a trade exception that can be split up and used to chase other players. So you could probably still go get some fringe role plays, but it requires a second step. It's, it's not very common that teams turn those into value. We see the Golden State Warriors last night had a $17.2 million one with, from Iguodala and still haven't been able to do anything with it. You essentially have to sign and trade and add a player, and it just gets cumbersome. Yeah. I will say, the Celtics back in 2013, after the Pierce Garnett trade had one, they traded it for Tyler Zeller, Marcus Thornton, and a 2016 first-round pick because the, the Cavs needed cap space to sign LeBron. That pick ended up going out as part of the package that brought back Isaiah Thomas. So if you do the hurdles and the gymnastics, yeah. you can get somebody. You need a little luck and all that. Uh, all the bottom line is whatever the Celtics do, they're probably not getting a Gordon Hayward back. And I think no. that complicates the offseason. Let's spin it forward real quick before we get to these interviews with, with Danny and Brad. What do you want to see them do when free agency opens tomorrow at 6 p.m.? I mean, there's not much they can do at this point, uh, but – I do like the idea of bringing Baines back mm. um, because we already know he fits the team. We, you know, we've seen Baines and I think Baines has only gotten better since he left. So, you know, that's, that's something it's not, ex, it's not overly exciting, but I think Baines slides in there pretty seamlessly. Other than that, there's not much I can picture them doing. I, I would like to see them try to unload Hayward mm. because I think it's just, I don't think that that has, it's worked out, obviously. I don't think it's just, you know, and, and they've played playoff, so many playoff games without him already that I don't think it like hinders them to not have him as much. If they're able to get something for him that bolsters their bench, bolsters their front court, something like that, I think it's worth trying to do because you've lost him for so many playoff games anyway. You might as well get something healthy, and expiring contracts back um, and maybe the trade exception, as I said, the Sixers got a trade exception as well mm -hmm. with that, with that Horford deal. So I, I would look to that deal minus giving away a first round pick and see if there's something out there that temporarily fits your team, fills a role um, and boosts them. Because right now, now that draft night's gone, I just don't know unless Danny pulls off a huge trade. And I, again, I don't think that's going to happen unless you're willing to trade 
Hayward and Smart together. I it just and and the Hayward clock is ticking, so I I don't think the timing is going to work out for them to pull off something huge at this point. One thing is for certain, it will not be James Harden. I was told unequivocally that is not something the Celtics are interested in. They did think about it, but uh, they like their young core. They like the title window that's open. They're banking that with the right young pieces around Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. And if Jason Tatum does elevate to a, to an MVP level, then their championship window is wide open for the next probably decade. Uh, the one thing I would like to see in free agency, I think big man is a priority. Uh, I agree. I mean, I know I default to the same names all the time, but Aaron Baines, Harry Giles, like I like Baines because you know what you're getting and he's something they don't have in terms of a, just a beefy defender that you can roll out there against the, the big guys. Um, Harry Giles intrigues me because I just don't think he ever got the chance to blossom in Sacramento. And in, I know he's Tatum's best friend, but, you know, I think you can get him on relatively cheap deal. Uh, they didn't draft a center, so it's almost like they're planning for a couple spots because I don't think Poirier and even my guy Cantor are likely to be back. You know, there's a chance. Same thing with like, like I get the sense the Celtics are, are prepared to be very flexible. And if they can't get anything done, Ennis Cantor might be back at $5 million. You know, Poirier might ride the bench at 2.6, but I think in a perfect world, they, they make some veteran upgrades there. And then I think you're just going to see what's out there. We heard they were potentially uh, involved in a Landry Shamit deal uh, before Landry Shamit got, got redirected to Brooklyn and, and uh, Kennard ended up out in LA, which I think is just a great move for the Clippers adding a shooter like that. Um, but it's, I think, I think, you know, if you didn't get your fireworks on Wednesday night, you'll at least get some firecrackers the next couple of days. Like the Hayward situation is going to be something. And, you know, the Celtics aren't just going to sit on their hands. They're going to have to do something as they see Milwaukee, Bogdanovich, notwithstanding load up with, with Philly making those moves. Uh, let's go ahead and dive into these interviews reflect on draft night, start to look ahead to free agency, even though Danny Ainge didn't really want to start looking ahead to free agency just yet. He's still on phase one. Now he's getting ready for phase two. Here's our interview with Danny Ainge and Brad Stevens from draft night. Celtics making two first round picks as well as a second round pick. We got Danny Ainge with us as well, president of uh, basketball operations for the Boston Celtics. And Danny, just getting right into it. You addressed two areas of need tonight, getting a shooter in Aaron Neesmith and also a guy in Peyton Pritchard who, who seems like he could be a backup point guard for you guys, someone who could contribute right away. Are you happy with what you guys did in the first round? I am happy, yeah. I'm excited about these two guys. They're, they're fun guys. I think they'll fit into our culture. Um, and I think they, you know, with their ability to shoot the ball and, and other strengths, I mean, uh, you know, Aaron has size and length and shooting. It's not just like he's a small shooter. Um, and then you have Peyton who can really handle the ball, push tempo, and play at a great pace and give you a great competitive effort and uh, also make a lot of shots. Danny, how do you balance uh, a player that you're saying, man, this guy will be ready in two years or three years versus it seems like to us – that both these guys are ready to go right now. Was this draft something about looking for the player that was uh, that could fit in and maybe even be a rotational player on your team this season? Well, you know, Brian, I never. I mean, we we think that they'll be ready, but um, you know, they got other guys to beat out. And as you know, it doesn't always work out how you have it envisioned. Uh, those players have some top tough competition to earn minutes on our roster. <clears throat> so time will tell how much they get to play, especially as rookies. 
but um, you know we'll do all we can to develop them and and try to get them into the rotation as soon as we possibly can. And um, but you know they're going to have to beat some people out to do that. As far as Aaron Neesmith goes, Dan, when you look at you know his body, everyone talks about the shooting and what an exceptional shooter he is. What else jumped off the page about Neesmith? Uh, he's a he's a great worker. He's a he's a really good. Uh, you know he gets a he gets a steal and a half a game. He gets a block shot a game. I mean he's he's a guy that does more with his length. He's got a seven foot wingspan, and uh, I think that he can get much better defensively. I think that uh, you know when you get to the NBA, defense is so important. And when you're a rookie, you know you have to be able to defend to get on the court to even use your shooting. So that'll be a focus with him as he comes in early. I mean I'm, I, I guarantee you that. Uh, at least half the time, if not more, of, the, of, of his early teaching will come on the defensive end. Uh, with Aaron and... And same with Peyton also. Yeah, so when you're looking at this, no summer league, no, I mean, really no time before the season starts. How does that, I mean, how do you get these guys up to speed without wearing them out or giving them too much? You know, I think that uh, you, you just have to prioritize. You have to simplify and prioritize, I think, with, with those young guys. And, um, you know, you can't try to cram it all in at once. Some guys are capable of taking in a little bit more than other guys, and, and we'll figure that out as we go. But, um, you know, it's going to take time for Brad to get to know the strengths and weaknesses of each one of these guys as well as, as them getting to learn the NBA game and how different it is, but also uh, the Celtic system. You mentioned that you saw Peyton Pritchard play a lot, be the four-year guy. Like, did that go into because of this year and the and the restrictions that you had of seeing guys and bringing guys in? Did that kind of play into the draft pick, knowing that you're you're pretty familiar with him and you're limited on the amount of guys that you can go in and bring in for workouts? You know, maybe it, maybe it had some sort of bias there, Scal. I'm not sure, but. There was a lot of guys I w that I liked in this draft that, that I would have drafted that I hadn't seen as much. But, um, you know, Peyton was a kid that I had seen a lot. And I, I spent a lot of time watching the Pac-12. But like I said, I, I uh, really, really enjoyed watching him play, even as a freshman who averaged seven or eight points a game at University of Oregon. Um, he's, he's just a fun player to watch. And uh, I love his competitiveness and, you know, his skills have really developed over the four years there. And he carried a huge role. I think he's two-time Pac-12 player of the year. And, uh, you know, I think it's going to be he's going to fit in with our culture and our fans are going to fall in love with him. He certainly seems like a guy that opponents would hate to play against, that, that Peyton Pritchard, he's kind of that type. But as far as the overall draft goes, Danny, I'm wondering, was it more challenging this year? Because you didn't see as many trades. You know, there's always rumors flying everywhere else. But was it more challenging for teams to move up in the draft and, and try to trade up? You mentioned that maybe there were some other guys that you would have been interested in. You know, I think it's just how um, there's, there's a high price to pay when you, when you don't feel like there's you know, a major difference. Uh, you know, there's certain places in the draft that's really hard to get to. Uh, teams that have very high picks in the top five rarely want to trade those unless they can, you know, just move down one or two. Or, But um, so we felt that we were in a good spot and we were going get to a, get a player that we really liked, and we did. 
Danny, free agency starts in two days. What are some of the things that you feel like you need to address or some needs for this team moving forward to be a championship-level team? Um, you know, we'll just add a couple of veterans, Gal. You know, like a, we'll probably draft a wing uh, or look for a wing in free agency and um, maybe another big man in free agency, maybe someone that can play some four or five. Um, but, you know, those would be our priorities. Sounds like he's offering me a job. Doesn't it? <laughs> Just think about that. I mean, you can't see him dead. He's in pretty good shape right now. He's talking about putting a sauna in and everything else. He'll, he'll be there in, in no time. Uh, I do have to ask about Gordon Hayward. We could use a 30-year-old scowl, but I think the scowl that's right Four, in front 42. of me, I'm not sure. Uh, I do want to ask Dr. about Dr. Leonard scowl, I'm not sure. <laughs> hey, I look 30. <laughs> as, far as, as far as Gordon Hayward is concerned, yesterday, Tuesday was, was the original deadline, and that got moved to Thursday. And I'm curious if that was related at all to Wednesday's draft. Not really, no. Um, you know, we're just working together to see what's going to happen. I'm not sure what, what Gordon's decisions will be come free agency. And um, so we're, we're anxiously awaiting that. But... It really didn't have any bearing on anything that happened today. Uh, Neesmith had a foot injury. Is, are, is there any concern with that? No, he's, he's doing fine. We, we checked it out thoroughly and, and uh, had our doctors all over that. And uh, we saw him work out down in Charleston. He looked great and um, moved really well for a 45-minute, 50-minute workout and running and jumping. And, you know, he looks good, and, and uh, he should be ready to go. And just this, uh, and we're talking about the draft and everything else, but, you know, with free agency and you got trade rumors here and there and everywhere else, and just this compressed offseason. We talked about there not being a summer league. How challenging is this week and just this, this offseason in general to, to try to get the roster that you want on the floor that's ready to go for December? You know, I always, I always hate saying things are challenging. Um, like I said, we, it's a difficult time. It's a for the, the entire world, everybody. And so we're all making adjustments. And, and uh, to play basketball in the NBA is a great blessing. And, and we're trying to do all we can. And it's the same for every team. And um, we're trying to be better at it than everybody else and do it the best we can. All right, Danny H. Danny, thank you so much. Appreciate it. All right, thanks, DA. All right, guys, thanks. Thanks for staying up. Get to bed. <laughs> All right, let's bring in head coach Brad Stevens of the Boston Celtics right now. And, and Brad, I guess, what would you think of the, the selection of Aaron Neesmith and Peyton Pritchard and what they can do for you guys? Well, yeah, I mean, obviously, when you look at both those guys, you, you think about shooting. Um, with Neesmith, he's big. Um, he should be a versatile defender when it's all said and done. He's a guy that can run off screens and shoot. You can run actions. Um, for him to catch and make shots on the move, which are generally pretty tough shots. He was well coached. Uh, you know, um, I thought the stuff that he was running off of this year was was really creative and really good. And, and again, he, he makes shots running away from the rim at 6'8", and that's tough to do. Um, and then Pritchard's just been a guy that's obviously a uh, um, been a great college player and, and uh, has, a, has a toughness, a physicality 
um, in a way about him. Both these guys can shoot it deep so they can stretch out the defense. And obviously, in this day and age, you're not just getting very many open threes right at the three-point line. Sometimes you need to have them three, four, five feet behind the line. And both these guys shoot that easy. Um, it'll be interesting to see how it all plays itself out. I heard what Scal said about coming in and playing right away. It should be a uh, it'd be fun to watch all these young guys battle it out for playing time. And Scal, they don't get the benefit of a summer league. They don't get the benefit of the August and September small group workouts. It's come and get ready for real basketball here um, in a couple weeks. And that will be a big challenge for this entire draft class, as you know. It's a big difference between a summer league game and an, and an NBA game. Yeah, so, so just to let you know, Brad, Neesmith's brother goes to Harvard, Vanderbilt, not a bad school, and Pritchard, a four-year guy. So, I mean, these guys do have a leg up on the competition. They should be able to hit the ground running. I want to focus on Neesmith real quick. He had the injury to the foot. Like, how do you guys evaluate that? Is that, a, is that something that you have, have to continue to look at this year and monitor that foot injury? Or is it a thing in the past and you can move on and just throw them out there? Yeah, our doctors go through all that stuff with our front office. I don't even get involved in those conversations. But, um, you know, he's been, he's been good to go. He's working hard right now. We saw him work out last week. Or Austin Ainge went and saw him work out last week, and he looked great in his workout. So, um, you know, the, the foot is not a, a long-term concern. And if we have to manage those things early on as guys get involved and get into this level of work, we will. And as far as Peyton Pritchard goes, because you talked about the outside shooting quite a bit with both guys, but also with, with Pritchard, you know, when you would watch him at Oregon, so competitive and also just the, the, had this presence as a floor leader. Can you imagine him coming in and being able to do that right away? Or is that something that takes a little more time when you make that adjustment to the next level? Well, I mean, I, I think it's all relative, right? I think he's a guy that can come in and, and do his job well and compete and make shots and um, do everything he's asked to do. But, you know, we're not expecting anybody that comes, you know, out of, out of college to come in, grab a ball and be a floor leader yet, especially when you've got Kimball Walker and Marcus Smart and guys like that that do the majority of your ball handling. And I think that what we need him to do is, is be the best version of himself, get acclimated as quickly as possible, and again, figure out, just like Aaron, figure out what you do to add value to winning because that's, that's the position we're in, right? We're not, you know, Scal talked about the opportunity to get to play and play meaningful minutes and all those things. Every minute that they play with the Boston Celtics is a meaningful minute. And I think that that's something that we need to make sure that we do our best to get them acclimated as quickly as possible in a pretty short timeline over the next month or so. Brad, a lot of people look at different things when you're talking about the draft, length, athleticism, size, all kinds of stuff. What do you look at when you're looking at Peyton Pritchard that, that really gets you excited about coaching him? Well, it's funny. You know, I, I have to catch up on the draft when we got back from the bubble. You know, I was kind of looking at the draft prior to going to the bubble, and then once the NBA decided to restart in the summer, I let it go for a couple of months because obviously we were playing our season and, and trying to do the best that we could. And 
Um, when I got back, you know, Danny gives me a list of guys that he's really high on to, to look at, and, and both of those guys were in this list. And, um, you know, for me, the first question is always, um, you know, when you're looking at them, can they put the ball in the basket? Can they do so at NBA, you know, with NBA contests and with NBA guys on them? And can you guard your position and then hopefully more? Um, when you look at Pritchard, I think one of the things that people um, – you know, may not realize about him is how strong he is. You know, he's he's over 200 pounds. He, he's a he is a, a a strong guy. He's a guy that can um, physically battle for a couple of seconds in a possession before you need to cover on the post if he has to do a you know a switch against a mismatch. But he can also battle on the perimeter. And hey, guarding these guys at that position in the NBA is really hard. And there's going to be a lot to learn for him. But he'll put in the work. He'll put in the effort to do so. And that physicality should give him a, a chance to do so sooner rather than later. All right, Brad, you guys, you added a wing tonight. You added a guard as well. Uh, as far as the front court goes, it seems like you guys could probably use some size as well. Are you hoping, were you hoping to add some size maybe in the first round? And are you still hoping to maybe do that now in the second round or, or after the draft? Yeah, Tom, I mean, I think, you know, this is this is just a big a balancing act in a lot of ways. I think that certainly we could you're, – you're never going to be hurting adding more physicality, more size, more versatility, especially at the four and the five. We, we've talked a lot about that. Whether we add that the rest of the night tonight or not, that's certainly something I think we're going to be looking at in the next couple of days um, as we move forward. There's, I mean, that's a big discussion point, obviously, here. It's been a big discussion point all fall. Um, but we, we really like the two guys that we drafted. And I think, again, you know, these guys are um, they're, they're very, very mature. Um, and, you know, they'll, they'll be ready to work at this level um, when they get here. And I think that'll add value. We'll figure out the rest of the roster as the next few days go on. Now, something for most of the people following the Celtics was a little bit curious. Gordon Hayward pushed off a mutual agreement to push off his option to pass the draft tomorrow at 5 o'clock. Do you have to now recruit again Gordon Hayward? Do you have to convince him to stay? Is this something – what you already have done, is that, is that enough to keep him here? Is that, a, is that a strange time for you as the coaching staff? You know, you're just losing, could be losing a player that's so valuable. Yeah. Well, first of all, Danny and the front office are in all those discussions. So I don't even get in, into those discussions. I think one of the things when you have a player here, they, they've been here. They know kind of how the organization runs. They know generally how – we're going to play. They know they, they've got everything, but they're also weighing other factors, and so and those other factors are why you why you get a player option in your contract, or why when you become an unrestricted free agent, or you know a free agent, then you get to choose. And I think that that's one of the things that you know I want to respect that opportunity. Um, and so we, you know, I always just make myself available in these times, but I don't, um, you know. I'm, I'm not much of a – I'm not going to beat up the phone with sales pitches and all that stuff. And it is uh, – you know what we're about. We're here. And if you, if you like it and you want to be a big part of it, um, which you have been, then, then great. But we don't – we also want to respect the fact that that's, 
everybody's right to go through an option or free agency. So we just make ourselves available and, and go from there. Uh, Brad, I, I have to admit, I miss going to those workouts with the, with the rookies in the pre-draft process. What did you miss most about the normal pre-draft process that you, have you've gone through so many times? I missed watching the competitiveness in those small workouts. And, you know, I think that, you know, you, you can't learn a ton. First of all, the NBA let us go, and it was good to see some guys. And Austin Ainge actually went down and saw Neesmith um, go through a workout. But it was good to see guys work one-on-one -on -one with a coach or, you know, but it was only them in a gym. And, and as you know, Scal, you can make – you know, you can you can tailor a workout to the strengths of the individual. It's hard to find anything wrong when you walk out of the gym. And um, but it's hard to hide when you're competing. It's hard to hide in one on one drills, two on two drills, three on three drills. That's why tape means more. All that stuff means more than the one on one workout. And um, so that was the thing that I missed the most. But, you know, our front office, they did a good job of getting to games. They always get to a lot of games during the college season. They don't wait. Um, you know, Danny, um, I think Danny works as hard as anybody. He doesn't miss games that he could possibly go to. He doesn't say, you know what, I don't really want to go here. I'll just watch it on TV. I'd rather, you know, go to this event or that event or do something else. He doesn't do that. He works, goes to games, and he watches guys play all year. So I always felt like if we were going to be in a pandemic and we weren't going to be able to do our normal thing, we had the right guy leading the charge um, to make picks for us. All right, Brad, one final one for you. And, you know, you mentioned that you don't have the summer league games and it's not going to be the same preseason building up to it. And you got the quick turnaround. And then there's probably still going to be, you know, some roster adjustments and everything else. How challenging is it going to be to be ready to go in about a month's time? Yeah. Well, you know, I think the biggest thing, it's not a month for us, Tom. We start practice in two weeks. And, you know, until, until the draft is over and free agency is at least a few days in, you don't really know what your roster looks like in full. And so we've got branches kind of mapped out of what we would want to focus on offensively and defensively at the start of practice. But what we would usually take a month to hash out and do, we're going to have to do so over the next five days or so. And so I think that that's going to be the challenge. And um, I realize every team's in it. Every team's in it kind of a unique, their own thing. You know, the teams that didn't play for nine months are itching to get out there, practice and play, and have probably been working out together for a long time. And those of us that played later, you know, have balanced, um, you know, catching our breath, but then also now being able to get back in the gym a little bit, but not overdoing it, you know? And I think that it's such a fine line um, that it is still a, just a unique, unique deal. We're going to do the best we can, and we'll have a lot more information to plan um, after the next couple of days. All right, Coach, good luck with that, and uh, thanks for joining us here. All right, Danny and Brad there. Work's not done. They get, they get a, I don't even know if they slept. Like, usually it's funny because like, the draft ends at something like 12.30. I think we talked to Danny at 1 a.m. last night. Uh, then they have to start their, their whole staff is sitting there in, in the offices calling all these undrafted guys, trying to latch on to, to potential two ways. Danny probably goes home and gets like two hours sleep and they're back in the office today, both to figure out what the futures of Hayward and Cantor are and to start planning for free agency because no one waits till six o'clock on Friday to start making calls, uh, official calls. Uh, so we'll see what happens there. Uh, 
how are you feeling about where the team stands? We'll, stay, we'll end with this. Are you, are you confident that the Celtics, as they stand, are still a title contender in the Eastern Conference? Or a title contender coming out of the Eastern Conference? So I would say they're still a contender to come out of the East. I don't know if they're a title contender, but I do believe in how wide open the window remains. Let's put it that way. I, 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 I think the, the more the Celtics hold off from trying to make a monster splash, the more they have this young core in Tatum and Brown that, that, that they're hopeful they can build around. And, and obviously you're going to get to a point where it's going to be very necessary to add another piece to this group. Um, or maybe Kemba just has a healthy, incredible season and, and it all works out like that. But you know, that's another name we didn't talk about, by the way, is Kemba. That's, that's still, uh, that's still up in the air. We'll see if they end up doing anything with him, but I think they look at Brown and Tatum and say, there's no rush here. And maybe they are, I think they're in win now and later mode right now, which is, you know, we're a strong team. We have a shot against anybody. Um, but, but our windows open enough where we don't have to, to go ballistic here in, in the off season. So, um, I'm, I'm confident in the way their team is built and I'm confident in their patience, which I know a lot of people are not, um, <laughs> but there's, there's nothing, there's nothing more, you know, more valuable, uh, than time. And, and Brown just signed his deal and Tatum hasn't even, you know, Tatum's mm-hmm. got time. He's got a lot of time. So you ha- you have to be ha- happy with where you are and you have to be happy that you haven't rushed things and you still have a Kemba and you still have, um, you know, smart and, and you're building your bench and, you know, maybe a big man comes around and if it doesn't, you have plenty of years to work with. I thought you were going to say the most important thing is time Lord, which would have been an accurate, accurate, accurate statement in my we're gonna mind. Ha- we're going to have to see a lot of him this coming year. He's, he's got to be better. That's a, uh, that's a huge piece right there. That is true. Even the fan club will, will relent that he has to, to make some strides in order to stay on the court and be serviceable. Robbie Buckets, you killed it on the mock drafts this year. I thought we did great. I was, I learned a ton. Uh, I believe our editors would like a 2021 mock draft by 10 minutes ago. So if oh you could boy. just, if you could just get on that and tell me who I sh- should be prepared for next year. That, that is something 2021. I, I can't, I, whenever there's a, a headline, the way too early blank, <laughs> it means it's way too early. It means it's not time. Yeah, uh, I, I already hear people screaming about Emily Bates, and and uh, I just I can't I can't get there yet. Like, let's just give it a year. Like, some of you guys are in high school. I can't you know? do high school. Uh, uh, no. All right. So, listen, I need everybody to go like, subscribe, check us out on the YouTube page if you're not already watching it here. Go ahead and leave a comment down below. You guys roast us all the time. Keep it going. I don't hate it. You want to make fun of my hair? That's what I'm here for. No pun intended. Uh, we will be back. We'll probably be podcasting after the uh, after the start of free agent here, trying to figure out what the Celtics did, where they're going. We have a Friday night, 6 o'clock on NBC Sports Boston. We have a special free agency show, an hour-long show. Drapes, Gal, me, Mannix. I think Perk bombs in from his coffin like he does with that crazy chair that he has. Come check us out. We'll see you guys next time on the Celtics Talk Podcast. Peace.